like you would expect, the fire hose is fully inserted in my mouth here, and uh, we've been blowing and going, and so... Ken Lavica. Get a run in, make an early cocktail, put a gummy in half. Theo Dorsey. Very excited to have the opportunity to add him to the team. Stone Labanowitz. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios. It doesn't matter what your name is! It's Lavica, Theo, and Stone on ESPN 106.3. Don, I was waiting 72 hours hey. on bated breath for an acknowledgement from Kyle Shanahan that he didn't know the overtime rules, just to own it, just to accept it. Not only did Kyle Shanahan not own up to the fact that he didn't know the overtime rules and that helped contribute to the Super Bowl loss, he fired defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. Not only did Kyle Shanahan not just come out and say, like a, a a leader should, hey, I didn't know the overtime rules. Or even if he wanted to give a half-truth, I would have accepted that. Uh, oh, I made a mistake not informing the offense before the game that the rules had changed and why we're doing what we're doing. That would have been at least a little bit more acceptable to me. He didn't do either of those things, but he did fire defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. Let me just let me just pick your football brain for a second, Stone. A football brain that I have great respect for. You played the game. You played it at a high level. You won a playoff game at the Division I level. You're well-rounded. Uh, the, the side of the ball that you felt was strongest on Sunday night in the Super Bowl for the San Francisco 49ers, please, please tell me which side of the ball – did you feel like contributed more to a possible San Francisco 49ers world championship on Sunday? I'm going to go with the defense here, right? You hold Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense to under 20 points in regulation. I think uh, you did a good enough job to win the game. So yeah. let me go with the defense here. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the same page, my friend. Turns out I feel the exact same way. Let me let me give you the the Webster's Dictionary meaning of scapegoat, if I may. May I? Please. Okay. A person who is blamed for something that someone else has done. Pretty cut and dry. Pretty simple, right? I'd say so. A person who is blamed for something that someone else has done. I'll try to be as fair as possible. Maybe Kyle Shanahan is not scapegoating Steve Wilkes, but the timing suggests that he absolutely is. Is that fair enough? It's more than fair, that actually. Maybe it's not a scapegoat, but when it happened and how it happened certainly seems like it's scapegoating. Again, this is the same head coach. This is the same head coach who had his fullback, Kyle Juszczyk, after the game, sit up at the podium at the Super Bowl, when asked about taking the ball first in overtime and his fullback, an integral part of the Kyle Shanahan mastermind offense, and Kyle Juszczyk said this. You know what? I didn't even realize that the the playoff rules were different in overtime, so I, I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win, but I guess that's not the case. Um, so I don't really, I don't totally know the strategy there. No. No, we haven't talked about it, no. And then Kyle Shanahan on CBS to, and this is the smoking gun, if you will, uh, why I think that Kyle Shanahan did not know 
the actual rules of overtime. This is him on CBS. Understanding it's raw, and again, it went into overtime, but is there anything right now that you feel like was the difference down the stretch? Um, I mean, love to score a touchdown there at the end, not give Pat another chance. There it is. Love to score a touchdown there at the end, not give Pat another chance, except except uh, if you scored a touchdown at the end, Pat would get another chance. That's the literal rule of overtime. But not only is Kyle Shanahan even half-truthed his way into trying to reveal that he didn't know the overtime rule, which makes him look, look worse and worse, then he fired Steve Wilkes. What was your initial thought yesterday when you heard Kyle Shanahan fired Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator? Um, the benefit of the doubt, uh, I typically side with, hey, we don't know what goes on sure. in the facilities. We don't know what tape looked like. We don't know what conversations Wilkes had with Shanahan maybe two, three months ago that, hey, this may be the end of the road regardless of where things end up, regardless of how we play defensively. So, as you know, I'm pro player, pro coach. I'll always try to defend them. So I thought, okay, there may be more to this story than we understand. I'm not going to jump to conclusions and jump on Kyle Shanahan. You know what? That's perfectly reasonable. That's perfectly reasonable. Are you being sarcastic? No, 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 no. I think that's perfectly reasonable because we don't know. We don't know if this had deteriorated, and I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch every second of San Francisco 49ers football, and if you go to social media, 49ers fans will tell you, oh, you can tell that the national media up in arms over the firing of Steve Wilkes didn't watch the 49ers this year. Fine. I'll admit, unlike Kyle Shanahan not knowing the overtime rules, I'll admit, no, I didn't watch every single solitary second of San Francisco 49ers football in the 2023 and the 2024 season, okay? What I will do, though, is look at the San Francisco 49ers defensive last year. D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator, now head coach, Houston Texans, compared to Steve Wilkes' 2023-2024 San Francisco 49ers defense. Just on the periphery, just with some tangible numbers, okay? Stone, indulge me if you will. Last season, last season, the San Francisco 49ers were first in the NFL in total defense, allowed 300.6 yards per game, okay? This year, they were eighth in that category. So there you go. An appreciable drop from first in the league to eighth when it comes to total defense. Okay. Okay? So that's fine. Point for Kyle Shanahan. Reasonable. Okay. No big deal. I don't even know if I'm willing to go for that, though. I mean, you're still top 10 defense, but nonetheless. Proceed. Points allowed. Points allowed. Last year, D'Amico Ryan's number one in the NFL, 16.3 points per game. Points allowed. This year, third, 17 and a half points allowed. One single point. The difference between last year and this year, first and third in the NFL. Which I believe. Okay? So what was the number? 17.1? points per game. And they led, wow. they, they, they ended up in the postseason being number three in points allowed overall defense right. this we, year under Steve Wolf. And we talked about Kansas City's defense in the postseason, how good they were. They led the way. I think they held teams to 17.3 points per game. Mm-hmm. So right behind one of the best defenses in the NFL and a defense that basically won their team a Super Bowl. So is, is the defense of a defensive coordinator who got fired yesterday. Uh, last year, D'Amico Ryan, San Francisco 49ers pass defense, 20th in the NFL, 20th in the NFL. This season, Steve Wilkes, a guy who focuses largely on the defensive backfield, that's his MO, up six spots to 14 against the pass. What about the run game? What about the run game? Last year, second, D'Amico Ryan's this year, third, Steve Wilkes. Do any of those numbers really sit you or, or cause you to sit back and and pause and say, I get it. 
I get why Steve Wilkes is gone. I get it. Because for me, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan has a great reason for it. But what turns me off about this entire thing is that Kyle Shanahan called a hastily put-together press conference yesterday to sit down and to announce the firing of his defensive coordinator. All while, what did he not do? Take any responsibility for the overtime fiasco that's been much more front and center. And I keep seeing these fans putting up these screenshots of, oh, in overtime, Kyle Shanahan needed to call a timeout on a third down play because he didn't like the defense that was out there trying to prevent catastrophe. Okay. That's fine. But also, Steve Wilkes is not the one who is throwing out of the two-minute warning. Correct. Steve Wilkes is not the one who is taking the ball to start overtime. Uh, Steve Wilkes is not the one who struggled to move the football in any way, shape, or form in the second half. I was going to say he's also not the one who abandoned the run in the third quarter. He completely abandoned the run, and he's also not the one, Steve Wilkes is, is not the one that uh, had George Kittle with his first reception late, late, late into the second half. Okay. Yeah, or with Debo Samuels held under what thirty yards mm-hmm. receiving, and Brendan Ayuk mm-hmm. held under fifty yards receiving with three receptions. So yeah, I don't think Steve's responsible for that. So all I'm saying with that uh, outstanding precision offense, uh, the side of the ball that actually had the 49ers in overtime would have been the defense. So seventy-two hours later, after you have your fullback come out and say, "Yeah, we didn't know the rules of overtime." And Kyle Shanahan on CBS saying, uh, you know, uh, we we just wanted to score a touchdown and not get the ball in Pat's hands, even though he would have had the ball in his hands. Goodbye, defensive coordinator. So again, Kyle Shanahan, who am I? Who am I to sit here and call him a liar? Okay. Who am I to sit here and call him a liar? But I do think that the evidence shows he didn't know the rules of overtime. I just wish he would admit it and be a leader, right? Uh, accountability. We love that word in football. Yeah, accountability. Do. I just, I wish he would show that. But then you take it to the next level of jettisoning the the defensive coordinator. And I'm sure he had his reasons. I'm sure they're sound reasons. Like you said, we're not privy to the conversations in that building and the personal relationship between the two. He came from the outside, unlike Robert Sala and Miko Ryan's did consecutively defensive coordinator. But the fact of the matter is, because of the timing of this entire thing, and we know where the strength of the 49ers lied in the Super Bowl on Sunday in Vegas. Forgive me for thinking that this might be an all-time scapegoating. It's not a good look. We can all admit, even if it's not a scapegoating, it's a bad look, right? It's a bad look. Kyle Shanahan not owning up to the overtime disaster, then saying, hey, defensive coordinator, who is the best part of this football team on Sunday and who had equal to, if not better, numbers than D'Amico Ryans a year ago with that defense. See you later. Hit the street. Yeah, I totally respect the fact that you're halting on calling it a scapegoat. Um, not wanting to be reckless, right? Saying it's a bad look. I can, right, because yeah, I'm not in that building. Sure. Like, yeah, I don't want to be screamy Ken who's just spouting off in this spot. But what I do know is that it's a horrendous look. No, it's a horrendous look. And I think... If again, if I tried to play devil's advocate, if I tried to go to bat for Kyle Shanahan, which I've tried to a few times now post Super Bowl, trying to defend some of the decisions that he's made, I wonder, and I don't think this is this far fetched, if Kyle looks said that defense, how it's constructed, the personnel that he has, and says, 
There's no reason we shouldn't be first in the league in all of these categories. There's no reason we shouldn't be at least top five in all of these categories. Like, I could have anybody calling this defense, sure. and they'd have the same numbers that Steve Wilkes, the numbers that you just read off, right? Is there any stock in that, the fact that based off of who they had, pretty much anybody could have landed top 10, top 15 in all of those statistics sure. that you rattled off? Sure. No, I, and maybe they just didn't get along. I don't know. There's maybe, that. Maybe they didn't get along. Maybe, that. maybe they didn't get along. We haven't seen any of the 49ers players speak out as far as, no. wow, this is, this is heartbreaking, this is gut-wrenching, didn't see this coming. We've seen none of that. All I know is that when you had as bad a Super Bowl as Kyle Shanahan did, and you're kicking your DC to the curb three days after without taking any accountability for your bleep up, yep. that's where I feel bothered by the entire thing. You don't think Kyle Shanahan did enough to win that Super Bowl offensively? Because I do. No. no. I think there were a few no, fine, things it, that fine, came and went. Do, okay, here, let, let me put it this way. Did he do enough offensively? Sure. Did he do enough of the small things that head coaches should do, should know situationally? Right on. From a timeout perspective, from a strategy perspective for his team to win the game? The answer to that is no. No, he did not. Yeah. There's a difference, right? There's a major difference. There's a tangible difference in that spot. It sort of reminds me, because it's easy to just say, ah, Steve Wilkes, that's the problem. Get out of here. Defensive coordinator, we're going to bring another guy in, and that'll be that'll be the difference. Even though Kyle Shanahan is the one who uh, has lost two Super Bowls as a, uh, a a head coach now, had a double digit lead there, and then as an offensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons, he was up twenty eight to three, and uh, we know how that turned out against the Patriots. Okay, so it's not like there's not a history of some issues here with Kyle Shanahan in that moment in that game, making the right decision to see this entire thing through. It does remind me a little bit, though, Kyle Shanahan scapegoating Steve Wilkes. It does remind me a little bit of how we treat Stephen Ross down here. Someone who gets a lot of blame, a lot of criticism, but it's not necessarily his fault. Wilkes, it's not necessarily his fault, but now he's the one without a job. Kyle Shanahan made the ultimate decision. I feel like because of the lack of success the Dolphins have had, I think that a lot of that falls on Steven Ross because he's made some unfortunate mistakes, right? And I've even said on this show, there are some things that are inexcusable. Joking around about throwing football games when you have a Belichick disciple in your building, that's not good judgment on Steven Ross's part. But there's no doubt that that man wants to win at all costs. Why else do you think that he's allegedly sitting on a yacht trying to meet with Tom Brady to get him to come to the Dolphins, right? Uh, it might not be the most ethical way in which he tries to do football business, but damn it, Stephen Ross wants to win. That's something I can't say for that psychopath Tepper up there in Carolina who wants to meddle, 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 meddle. Stephen Ross, while he may try to meddle at times, he's trying to do it for the greater good, not because he's on a power trip. Yep. He's trying to do it because he's obsessed with hoisting a trophy. So when I think of who or what in sports, that gets criticized or scapegoated more than what's deserved, Stephen Ross comes to mind. I think Wilkes, you could definitely make the argument he got scapegoated. By the letter of the law, did he? I don't know. Does it seem like he did? Yeah, kind of. Kind of does. Kind of does when you have the head coach, who arguably is the one way more responsible for losing that Super Bowl than the defensive coordinator. But when we're talking about who or what, in sports that gets criticized or scapegoated more than what's deserved, 
Stephen Ross comes to mind for me, the Dolphins owner. That dude, all he's done is put up his money, and it wasn't his first choice, but eventually his money to renovate that stadium so Super Bowls could come back, so college football playoffs could come back regularly. The F1 race, the World Cup. This guy's trying to make South Florida a capital of international sports, not just locally. He's trying to bring a Super Bowl to a franchise that's been nothing but a stuck piece of gum on the pavement for the last three decades. I'm not even sure he's trying. I think he's having success doing that. Well, he's starting to get there. Right. Starting to get there. The guy at least gives a damn, which is not something you can say for a lot of other ownership in professional sports who are just trying to hit a bottom line because they think they might be able to, to squeeze some money out of the venture. Steven Ross has done nothing, I would argue, but lose money on the deal. He's raised the valuation of the Dolphins. He's lost personal money, and he has lost personal reputation, all in the name of winning. And that's why, while Steven Ross certainly has made some massive mistakes as owner of the Dolphins, I will always stand by that guy because I know that we're always on the same page about what we want to see be the ultimate goal for the Dolphins. And Stephen Ross doesn't just talk the talk, he walks the walk as well. I wish he wouldn't have walked around the front office making jokes about, you know, throwing games and lost the Dolphins a first-round pick. But it's water under the bridge at this point. Stephen Ross gives a damn and tries and I appreciate that. Who or what gets criticized or scapegoated in sports more than what's deserved? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. That's 888-760-3776. Social media at KLV1063. Who or what gets criticized or scapegoated more than what's actually deserved? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Or maybe you think Steve Wilkes flat out got scapegoated, that this is unfair. One thing I will say, and again, do I know this for certain? No. Do I have a mic in front of me and I can presume? Sure. I think it's probably an easy place to go with the hmm, black defensive coordinator. Don't act like you didn't think it or you didn't see plenty of others think it yesterday. Right? 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 Right. Okay. I don't think it's that. It's not that. No. It is unfortunate, though, that a successful black coach, who I would argue probably should have just been elevated to the Carolina Panthers full-time head coaching position a year and a half ago, now goes to San Francisco, has a top 10 defense in every appreciable category, including raising the profile statistically in several key areas from last year and then gets let go after one single season. That's frustrating to me. But again, if you're going to go the race route, I think you're opening yourself up to the dumbass grifters coming at you and criticizing you. Is that is that fair? It's more than fair. Yeah. Yeah. It does suck, though. And it's such a bad look on Kyle Shanahan. I am a Kyle Shanahan fan, but I'm telling you, this has not been his most glowing 70, last 72 hours. To go from not knowing the overtime rules, it's fine if I don't know them. It's fine if you don't know them I mean, or remember Chris them. Chris Fowler didn't know them. Chris Fowler, who I have unbelievable respect for, didn't know the time rule in overtime clearly when he was on ESPN Australia and New Zealand broadcasting the game to the Kiwis. Uh, he didn't know the rule. But when Kyle Shanahan doesn't know the rule, but then he hasn't acknowledged it and know the rule, and he's tried to tap dance around it, and then he gets rid of the defensive coordinator who was the strongest side of the ball at the Super Bowl. 
It's a problem. It's not a good look. It makes me feel not great. Now, I'm going to pull the audio. I do want to play it on the show, and I'm sure you saw it yesterday. I'm sure a lot of the audience did, but for those who didn't, we can present it to them. Did you see by chance the footage slash audio from inside the NFL who covered the Super Bowl, the clips that were exposed yesterday? No. Really? Wow. No. Okay. I, I thought it was so almost front page news to the sense. Now, I'll definitely pull it up. Okay. Now, it is the players mic'd up on both sidelines when the okay. coin toss is presented when they're heading into overtime. It is... Fourth quarter for Pat after he kicks the field goal. Andy walks up to him. Hey, you good for OT? Yeah, which way do you want to kick it? So this it? is right after Butker ties it up. This is right after Butker ties it up. Hey, which way do you want to kick it? Okay. So it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Andy Reid discussing what they're going to do. Now, the entire time Patrick Mahomes is talking about, yeah, let's kick it that way because they're going to mm. play defense. Mm. First. They're going to kick it. And they've obviously talked about it. Now, Patrick was so confident where he kind of shoot Andy off. Like, yeah, we're good. Which way do you want to kick it, though? I mean, we're inside. Is there a certain way? We're leaning north-south. Like, what do we want to do? And he's like, oh, let's go that way. And Penny's like, okay, cool, right? And they go their separate ways. There's no discussion had on the San Francisco 49ers sideline. Now, when a decision is made and Fred Warner says, yeah, we'll take the ball, the entire Kansas City Chiefs sideline is celebrating. Pat goes, huh? He goes, whatever. And, and then it goes to Kelsey. And Kelsey's mic'd up saying, fine, if they want it, they can have it. Say, let's give us the ball a second. Hey, and Travis is walking up. In down the sideline for the defense saying, hey, hold him to three, we'll do the rest. Hold him to three, we'll it's do the rest. It's at that point they knew they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Quite literally. The confidence in Kelsey Jesus, and Mahomes saying, man. oh, just hold him to three, we got this, boys. That's all it is. And Travis is laughing like, all right. Then the ball gets kicked off to San Francisco, and you see this huddle form as an offense does, right? Kyle Shanahan in the middle of it. Kyle check. I swear to God, quote says, wait, so if we score, they still get a chance? And I don't know who he was talking to, and the player says, yeah. And Kyle goes, damn, I didn't know that. And then they continue with their offensive huddle talking about what plays are going to come out oh my of God. the gates with. So that's, it, not on, that's not on Wilkes. No, it's not. Like That's the thing. That's what I'm talking about. Like Now that there's audio on the field of use check, like, on really? The field. Really? That's a problem, which means it wasn't discussed at all leading into the game. And I saw Kyle Shanahan say something along the lines of, yeah, we didn't, we didn't feel like uh, that was something that uh, needed uh, to, to be run through before the game. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? I mean, come on. Who or what gets criticized or scapegoated more in sports than what's deserved? Steve Wilkes getting fired defensive coordinator certainly seems like a scapegoating. Maybe it's not. But it certainly seems like a scapegoating there in San Francisco. For me, I think Stephen Ross, Dolphins owner, he gets scapegoated a lot for things that are A, out of his control, and B, not his fault. That dude, he tries to put every resource forth to win, in my opinion. I'm a big Stephen Ross guy. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Social media at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. Who or what gets criticized in sports or scapegoated in sports more than what's deserved? 888-760-3776. Social media is open. We have a ton of them. We'll get to them. Phones are open. That's Stone. I'm Ken Levick at Theo and Stone ESPN1063. From the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's LaVica, Theo, and Stone on ESPN 106.3. What about this name? Scapegoats. Lots of blame. Maybe a little bit unfair. Sam. He messages in. Lamar Jackson. Heisman winner. 
two-time MVP by age 26. Made it to the AFC Championship game. Top seed, two seasons in his career. Quarterback of the Ravens, Lamar Jackson. I tend to agree with that. That said, I don't know. Uh, at some point, he's got to get to get get through to the Super Bowl. No. Could I say something that's not going to be very popular? I imagine. I don't think it gets criticized enough. You're saying he gets treated with kid gloves, Lamar? I think Lamar Jackson gets treated with kids kids gloves. I don't think we criticize him enough. We we fawn over the things that he does that are spectacular, but never is what he does really bad ever even spoken about. The things that get I don't him know, in man, trouble on a football field, the things that are sometimes reasons why they lose football games and can't compete and can't get over the hump are Lamar's fault. Nobody wants to bring that up. But he's worn that that home loss to Tennessee the first time they were the top seed. He wore that for really up until this postseason. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. You're talking from a pure quarterbacking perspective. Even though the guy does things that nobody else in the league can do. Uh, of course. You don't think his actual play gets criticized enough. Gets poured over enough. Correct. We, we, we talk about this Ravens team and Lamar not being able to get over the hump. Mm. But then the conversation stops. Why aren't they able to get over the hump? Lamar Jackson's the reason they can't get over the hump from a pure quarterback perspective, but we don't talk about it enough. Like I said, we talk about the things that he does that nobody else can do, the things that he does spectacularly, but we don't talk about why he's missing certain throws in late in games, what defenses do to him that he really can't control or handle, he can't set protections. None of that gets brought into the light when it's literally right in front of us. Uh, how about this? Does... does Lamar Jackson not get criticized enough. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Social media at KLV1063. I think because he can be unconventional, he doesn't get enough credit for what he's able to do in the pocket, for how accurate he actually is. Did he make some poor decisions in the AFC title game, especially throwing into triple coverage, trying to force things late? Yeah. But I think the, the criticism he gets outweighs the amount of credit he gets sounds like you think praising Lamar Jackson this year became trendy and maybe just maybe he should have been looked at with a more critical eye bingo Mm. I don't know man and you're right you're right when you said it's probably gonna be unpopular yeah I think it's unpopular I come I don't agree with that I come from a a junkie football meatball perspective like nobody wants to hear about his footwork in the quick game on third and short and him having to jog off the field in a vital spot in the game. like These things are never talked about because they're not popular and they're boring to a lot of people. But there are so many instances in a game where Lamar will screw things up, but to the untrained eye, you have no idea. But he's able to overcome it because of his his physical still skill set. Exactly. And the next drive, he comes out here on third and 15. He rushes for 18 yards and throws a touchdown the next play, and they're down seven. They're right in the game. And wow, look at Lamar. But we didn't talk about two drives ago when he missed that throw on third down that a higher percentage of quarterbacks in the league probably wouldn't have missed because he did things that a higher percentage of quarterbacks in the leagues don't do with their feet, don't do with their eyes, don't do when going through their progressions. I don't think we criticize Lamar Jackson enough. Who or what in sports gets criticized or scapegoated more than what's deserved? And does Lamar Jackson not get criticized enough? 888 760 
And on social media, at KLV1063, that's 888-760-3776. Is joint pain affecting your quality of life? At Baptist Health Orthopedic Care, their team's experienced in traditional joint replacement surgery, as well as new, less invasive treatments with the goal of returning you to what you love as quickly as possible. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash ortho today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians, leading-edge treatments, and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle, joint replacement, spine, and sports medicine care. Visit Baptist baptishealth.net slash ortho for more information today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptishealth.net slash ortho. Uh, by the way, how did Valentine's Day go last night? Valentine's Day was kick-ass. You were down at the Delray Tennis Open, right? Yeah, spent it down there at the Delray Beach Tennis Center, watching some tennis. Uh, had a burgers, bourbon, and brew event where I was judging some of the best burgers in Palm Beach County. Um, so I was in heaven, obviously. Just taste. They actually had to take the plate away from me every time I because I would try to eat the whole burger. Wait, so you were a judge? I was a judge of this burger eating competition, and they literally had to pull the plate with the burger away from you. Yes, because they were worried about you getting so full you couldn't complete your task. Precisely, there were seven different restaurants who brought burgers. We were judging based off of flavor and presentation. But what is what is the key, Stone? Do you tell me, since you're the expert, what is the key to an exceptional burger? As far as the flavor presentation, give me, make me more, be more specific. No, 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 no. What, what do you give me? The top three things uh, in a vacuum when it comes to a burger oh, that God. Stone Labanowitz really enjoys, that he consumes, and he says, "My God, that was one hell of a burger." Give me the top three things that make a burger. Now, I can't be criticized for this because I was a judge, right? It's my yeah, no, no, no. It's That's why I'm, I'm throwing it out there. I, I want to know because you eat burgers, and I'm I'm not saying this disrespectfully, okay. but you eat burgers a lot more frequently than I do. <laughs> why is that disrespectful? I know that I, with a burger, I like I like uh, the, uh, the I, I like it medium rare. Okay. I like a. I like to see a little uh, little color in my uh, in my burger patty. Right. Okay. Uh, I one. also. I also. I I like cheeseburgers. I'm not a big hamburger guy. Cheeseburger. All of them had cheese on it last night. Okay. And the to me to me, uh, the burger, like I like toppings. Give me some pickles. Uh, I'm not an onion guy. I'll take onions what? on it. I think it enhances the flavor. What about onion strings? Nah, like okay. let's not get crazy. Whoa. You know what? I'm not a huge bacon guy on my burger either. But what I am is I want I want I want stuff with texture, and it also I'm also combining ketchup and mustard. Yeah. So give me the condiments, give me the toppings. I want some pink in the middle of that patty, and uh, I, I need cheese on it. Right on. And it's got to be thick. I need thick thickness. I need thickness. I don't like those little tiny quarter pound patties. I want I want big old thick patties. Oh, you don't like smash burgers? No, I'm not what? a big fan. I want I want something with some girth. All right. So you tell me. Sorry, I made this about no, myself. You're good. You're I'm good. very sorry for that. Uh, top three things. Burger Judge Stone Labanowitz, who was at the Delray Tennis Open last night. What was the the event? Burgers, uh-huh. bourbon, and brew. Burgers, bourbon, and brews last night. Uh, your top three Stone Labanowitzes. Oh God! Top three, top three recommendations when it comes to a fine burger. Yeah, let's kick things off with moisture. I want it dripping when you take a bite. I want it wet when you pick it up. I want you to but know now, what you're getting yourself into. All right, into. so you want a juicy patty? I want a juicy patty. I, can, I cannot stand a dry patty. And I All think right. I'll parlay that. I'll keep it for number one here. Cannot be a thick bun because then it gets dry and now the bun's kind of overpowering the burger. I need a thin bun that so, like, kind of goes down with the bite. So you just want a regular 
a regular burger bun, not one of these fancy yep. brioche things yep. or like a harder bread, a sourdough, a something hard. like that. You just want a regular, a regular bun. You're not looking for anything fancy with the bread component. Well said. Yes. Okay. Yes. But you're looking for a juicy patty. That's one. Juicy, That's one. moist patty is number one. Moist patty is number one. All right. What's number two, Stone? Two from a condiment perspective. I needed to slap me in the face. Whether it's the mushrooms, the bacon, or the ketchup mustard combination that you like slash chipotle mayo. I'm not a mayonnaise standalone guy. Yeah, I know me neither. on a burger, I almost feel like it's necessary. All right, so you want that thing slathered up and you want that thing loaded up with as many things as you can possibly get. Yeah, like get. I said, I want the condiments to slap you in the face. Last night a few times there'd be a piece of bacon on there, like Wagyu beef bacon. Like Oof. that hit me in the face. Boom, I remembered it. All right, so let me ask you this though. From an eating standpoint, once you load it up with too much stuff, stuff starts to fall out. Maybe it's hard to get a full bite in. You okay with that? Are you okay uh, kind of like eating, eating down the side of it? Listen, since you're asking me, right, this is my decision. Um... I want it to fall all over the place. Oh, all right. So you want it messy. You're okay with it being yeah. messy. You yeah. want it. You want a moist patty, yeah. and you want so many condiments and toppings in between those regular, yep. normal buns that yep. that thing is just falling apart. Yeah. Last night, there was a few burgers with a mush. I'm not a mushrooms guy either. But it works on a burger. But it works on yeah. a burger. And when I could taste the mushrooms and I liked it, boom, you're going to get okay. an extra flavor point from right. me. So there's one and two. So, the so again, Stone Lebanowitz, burger judge, Yeah. his top... Three most important aspects of a great burger. Number one, moist patty. Number two, tons of condiments and toppings that fall off. There you go. Yeah. That's pretty, that's not making me sound. And then number sound, three. Yeah. And then number three. Those two are kind of making me sound like basic Becky here. Um, like not like I actually am a good judge. Number three. I, I, I think I need a thin patty. I think I need a thin patty. A thin and patty. I need, so I, you are prioritizing yeah. toppings and condiments over the actual meat. I am. But that meat needs to be moist. It needs to be moist and thin. I like smash mm. burgers. I want the edges to have a little bit of crispness, to be a little charred, a little black, because I don't want to chew a lot. I don't want to have to take two or three bites to kind of chew through. You know what offsets that is a little pink inside. Yeah, it is. It is. That's what offsets it. Now I'm gonna embarrass myself. Um, I swear to God, if you were to give me ten burgers, I couldn't tell you what was cooked medium, what was cooked well, like well done, what was cooked medium rare. I couldn't really tell you in burgers. I could tell you in steak, obviously. Okay, so burgers, you don't really check the. You don't check how the meat's cooked. You're just going to town. I'm just going to town. (laughs) So I like a thin smash burger. That's gonna be my number three, and that came in second last night. Okay, poblano salad. Smash burger. It was good. It was good. Just didn't have the presentation for me. But like you said, number one, I need moisture. Moisture. I need it to be juicy. Uh, Number two, uh, tons of condiments and toppings. Yep. And number three, Thin patty. Yep. Thin patty to fit all those toppings exactly. and uh, all those ingredients. All right, there you have it. Burger aficionado, Stone Lebanowitz, the burger judge last night in Del Rey. He just gave you his top three most important guidelines for a great burger. Moist patty, tons of condiments and toppings falling off, and a thin patty within all of that. And don't forget, it has to be just regular old boring hamburger bun. None of that fancy bread stuff. Well, glad we got that taken care well, of. Well, with all that being said, Valentine's Day was great. Got Good. to watch some tennis after that. Caught a buzz, drank some wine. I'm, a, I'm only a white wine You drank guy. some wine? Uh, lot, I mean, a lot of wine, actually. I was buzzed watching the matches. Um, yeah, that's which good. Which was great. By the way, Can't our boy. Red, man. Our boy. Our boy. What's his name? Patrick. Hey, are you serious I'm right sorry. now? I know Pat, but I don't remember. Patrick his. Kipson. He won again. He won again. Dude, he joined us. From the Delray Tennis Open, and this dude's rolling through the tournament. He I'm reached his you, first it, ATP quarterfinals. It pays to associate with us. That's all I'm saying. If you're a little hard on your luck, or you're trying to get your right. business off the ground, or you're an aspiring professional <laughs> tennis player, just know 
dealing with Stone and myself, it's a successful proposition. Just look at Pat. 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 Kipson. Pat Kipson. We're like the bar rescue of athletes. <laughs> like you got problems, we'll fix them. That's a, you, you're, you're exactly right. You're low on confidence, little, we got gotcha. you. A little dose of stone. Who or what gets criticized or scapegoated in sports more than what's deserved? What to you is the most important aspect of a great burger? And does Lamar Jackson not get criticized enough? We're back. Tons of topics. It's what we do. Want to know why? Because we don't plan anything. That's Stone. I'm Ken. Levicka Theo and Stone, ESPN 106.3. <laughs> From the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's LaVetta, Theo, and Stone on ESPN 106.3. Golf Genesis Invitational, who's playing Tiger Woods? Stone, what did Tiger Woods just do? What did Tiger Woods just do? That's right, a bird. Bird. That's a bird in case you were wondering what the hell Stone was doing. That's right, he's playing right now. Uh, who or what gets criticized or scapegoated more in sports than what's deserved? Social media at KLV1063. Speaking of golf, Mike says, Jay Monahan, PGE Tour Commissioner. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. He says he gets criticized too often. Yeah. Ah. I don't know about that. Head scratcher? I don't know about that. Uh, applause says, oddly enough, Taylor Swift. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. It's a great one. Part of a political conspiracy. And uh, Kevin says, Josh Allen. You know what? I criticize Josh Allen a lot. I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. I think sometimes he gets a little too much blame. Oh, you just let him steal my answer, but fine. Whatever. You yeah, take it. You hear him every morning, 6 to 10 a.m. here on ESPN 106.3. It is him. It is Michelle Smallman. It is Chris Canty. It is the trio of unsportsmanlike. And Evan Cohen joins us every Thursday, and he joins us here on ESPN 106.3. Uh, Evan, real quick, before we actually talk about uh, Steve Wilkes and the departure and the entire thing, Stone judged a burger contest last night at the uh, Delray Tennis Open, and uh, he gave his most important aspects to a great burger. He said moist patty, tons of condiments and toppings, so much so that they fall off, and a thin beef patty for Evan Cohen's sensibilities. What is your, your top part of your checklist for a great burger? Hi, Ken. It's Evan. We've known each other for 20 years. I don't eat red meat. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, my God, What about dude. No, fine. What about a, a, a turkey oh burger? Oh, my God. Turkey burger. Turkey burger. I have never. I don't think I've ever had a turkey burger in my You've life. You've never had I a did. turkey yeah, burger? I would tell you. I don't think so. But if, like, let's just use, for me, like, chicken grilled sandwich. chicken sandwich okay, or something like go. that. There we go. I feel like the cheese has to be melted, but not all the way melted. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like, where you still taste it like it's cheesy, like it's a little bit... Um, like it's almost like seventy five percent of the way melted. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where it's not like fully seeped in there, but it's like oh, I could tell that there's cheese on here, not like what's on top of that. Yeah. So I think that's that's some of it. I don't want a bun too toasty, if that makes sense. Like I want it warmed and kind of toasted, but not like too much so. Or when you take a bite, it's like all the breadcrumbs go all over the table. I also think if you're gonna put like tomato on it, which I happen to like sliced tomato, mm-hmm. I think it's got to be the perfect kind of sliced tomato. I don't think you want it to be hardened, but I don't think you want it to be too soft. There's a lot of kind of like, everything has to be just but Like a thick right. slice? A thick tomato slice? Like, I like beef tomatoes on my burgers or on my chicken sandwich. Like, big thick tomato slice. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. I, I, but I could go, if, you, if it's thinner, I'm fine with that too. I think tomato slices in general. Here's a big bold statement. 
tomato slices. Underrated. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Our tomato slices underrated. 888-760-3776. Oh, one more thing, too. I wanted to have hey, you. Hey, hold on. I'm going to back up my case on the underratedness of tomato slices. Okay, go for it. You know what else I like? And I know, Ken, you eat way healthier than I do. Uh, yeah. But I like, give me an egg white sandwich with a sliced tomato on it with a little bit of cheese. I'm like, rye bread? Tremendous. See, I'm not a big egg white guy. I mean, uh, the spiced tomato, you could have it on your burger. I could have it on my chicken. You could have it with turkey on like a regular deli turkey sandwich like from Manzo's. You could have it in the egg whites or eggs. I mean, sliced tomato, versatile, underrated. Stone, where are you going with egg whites here? What, what, are your, what are your egg white thoughts, Stone? Uh, I think it's the most disgusting thing in the world. You don't like egg whites? I don't. Yeah, I don't. They're scary. Like, I think they're people who scary. eat them are scary. I just, the smell, all of that stuff. Can't do it. Well, that just confirms my take. If Stone doesn't like it, that means I'm right. You're on the you're on the right track there. I thought you were doing well. I love yeah. the sliced tomato take. I, lo- I mean, everything is solid. And so then the I egg like, whites came out. And then the egg whites came out. 75% melted cheese is a super hot take. Like, it, that's where it's got to be. If it's any less, any more, you're, you're doing it wrong. Uh, yeah. and, and, then, and then real quick here. Yesterday, woke up, and my wife goes... Happy Valentine's Day. I just said it like it's an actual holiday. And then I said it to a couple of people around the office as well. But then it occurred to me, is this even a day, a holiday worth telling people, you know, happy Valentine's Day like you would uh, happy Hanukkah or Merry Christmas or happy Thanksgiving? How did you navigate that? Like, did you walk in and tell Chris Canty, hey, happy Valentine's Day, man? (laughs) No. Um, So... Here's, we had a big debate on our show because our producer, Nuno, started screaming, who you guys have met, started screaming on the air at us. He's like, it's not a holiday. And we're like, what do you mean it's not a holiday? He goes, a holiday is when you have days off from work or you get a comp day or there's no mail. Like, he's like, that's not an actual holiday. And I'm like, wow, that is a fascinating take that I've never thought about because holiday, like, is it a government holiday? No. I think Happy Valentine's Day, you say to your significant other. And then that's I mean, it. The, pers- the person, well, I don't know what, what you did because you have two daughters. I have a daughter. Yeah. Like, I went big with saying Happy Valentine's Day to my daughter more than anybody else. Like, my, I don't need it to be February 14th for me to tell my wife I love her. Like, yeah. I, you call me cheesy, sappy, whatever it is. Like, I love my wife 365 <laughs> days a year. I feel beyond lucky that I have her. I come home every day and I don't understand. I'm like, are you sure you're in the right house with me? Like, I don't get it. Why are you with me? Makes no sense. So I don't need February 14th to go crazy on that one. Okay. All right. Yeah, I told my daughters happy Valentine's Day. Obviously, my wife happy Valentine's Day. But, yeah, I started doing it around the office, though, too, because I just don't know. But I think Nino makes a good point. Like, why, why, if it's not a government holiday and you don't get time off for it, why would you say happy anything to anybody in that spot? I appreciate that. Evan Cohen, unsportsmanlike, 6 to 10 a.m. every day here on ESPN 106.3. You hear him with Michelle, uh, Michelle Smallman and Chris Canty. It, it kind of feels like, and maybe it's not, I'm not privy to their conversations, not in the San Francisco 49ers building, but boy, after the uh, night that Kyle Shanahan had on Sunday, and I'm one of those who says that Kyle Shanahan did not know the overtime rules, and he hasn't come out and admitted it. I think you've got enough evidence on tape that he didn't know the overtime rules and a lot of weird decisions that he made. He had the worst night of any coach uh, there on the San Francisco 49ers sideline, and then 72 hours later, Steve Wilkes has gone as the defensive coordinator. It, the timing makes it seem like a massive scapegoating. Uh, Stone wants to defend Kyle Shanahan. He's always going to be pro coach. I think this is just a bad look 
on Kyle Shanahan's part. My stock is low on him right now. Yeah, so here's the question I would ask you on this, because I, I tend to agree with you, but like, I'm a big believer in Mike McCarthy, mm-hmm. which I know I get laughed at for saying that. Like Mike McCarthy is significantly more accomplished than Kyle Shanahan as a head coach in this league. And I think Greeny brought it up the other day, the idea of, like, imagine if Mike McCarthy did that, what people would be saying. Oh. Because we have this preconceived notion about him yeah. and, like, how he handled that situation, not knowing the rules, clunky late in games. He'd be a cetera, laughing cetera. stock. Right. And so I think there's a big three of coaches heading into next season that I think the question has to be asked, is that now a big four? So here's what I'm asking. If you look at Philadelphia, Dallas, and Buffalo, so that's Nick Sirianni, Mike McCarthy, and Sean McDermott. Mm-hmm. Three coaches who I think are entering next season on the hot seat because they have Super Bowl or deep into the playoff caliber teams. And if they don't make a run, they could be out. Right? Are we in agreement so far yes. on this? Yes. Okay. Maybe even add Jacksonville in there. Are we sure that Kyle Shanahan shouldn't be grouped with those guys? And those guys, by the way, mm-hmm. if Sean McDermott gets fired in Buffalo, guess what? He should have a job the next day somewhere else. If Mike McCarthy gets fired in Dallas, he should have a job. Nick Sirianni, maybe not. Um, Kyle Shanahan definitely should have a job the next day. But are we sure Kyle Shanahan is not closer to that group than he is the Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin group? Man, and he doesn't get near the amount of... And I don't know if it's because he's such a robust regular season coach. They really haven't gone through much crisis mode to get there like Sean McDermott has or Mike McCarthy has. Ken, Ken, hold on. I'm sorry to interrupt. I want to point something out because I thought what you thought. He's such a robust regular season coach. Do you know that since Kyle Shanahan has taken over the Niners, it's been seven years, and, and the Niners have the sixth most wins in the NFL during that time? Is he really that robust? Do you know that the Rams have more wins in that time than the Niners do? It doesn't it feel like the Rams, despite winning the Super Bowl and going to another, have had down seasons? Do you know that the Saints have had more wins during that time than the Niners mm, have had? Man. I mean, I suppose with I all... I didn't realize that. Yeah. It, but it's because it's been a while. It's been a little bit. Uh, they've had an extended run of success here, and so we forget, I suppose, early... I. I mean, with that, I feel like he has to be, right? I, I suppose he has to be, but I don't know if... I don't know if the noise isn't loud around him. Maybe this will cause that no, to happen. it is now. It, it is, is now, now but, but like, this is I what it took. You, if I gave you guys this opportunity, you run the Niners, okay? You have to make a decision by the end of the day. Kyle Shanahan is either your coach for next season, or you have until the end of the day, and you can bring in Mike Vrabel instead of Kyle Shanahan. Where are you going? Oh, boy. Can I hear that one more time, please? Please. Mike Vrabel, you have one day to make that decision. You could either have Mike Vrabel or Kyle Shanahan. I suppose from an organizational standpoint, I guess Mike Vrabel, because you feel more confident that he's going to give you the edge from a... Strategy, strategy standpoint, yeah. (laughs) Like he's at least not going to have the foibles that Kyle Shanahan did. I don't know. That's a great question, but I don't. I don't know, Mike. That seems like a lateral Here's move. Here's That's the it. point. Here's the point. You're rightfully struggling with where you'd go. Totally fair. Totally fair. Right? Kyle Shanahan's more accomplished than Brable, but you think Brable is better situationally, right? Totally fair. If I asked you the same question of Brable versus Andy Reid, you'd laugh at me. Right? right. Brable over Andy Reid? Are you crazy? Right. Right. Here's the point. Kyle Shanahan. Is Andy Reid in Philly with no guarantee of Andy Reid in Kansas City? He's more in the coach that potentially after the year, I don't even like saying getting fired, but more of like 
hey, we, we did a lot together. Like, we had a really good run, and it's probably best for both of us to go in another spot, i.e. Andy Reid in Philly. No nasty breakup, no controversy, no drama. And guess what? If he does become Andy Reid in Philly or Kansas City, that means he would have won after and they would have won after, right? Like, it's okay. It's just we're getting to that place with Kyle Shanahan where we maybe want to stop saying we have to get somebody off the Kyle Shanahan tree to coach our team. And more so, all right, awesome run, probably needs to go somewhere else, and then he's hire somebody else to put them over the top. I tell you what, I tell you what, from the 75% melted cheese on the chicken sandwich to the tomato slices point the man to is hot. Kyle Shanahan is the new age Andy Reid. I mean, Evan, this was one hell of a performance from you. I mean, this was elite yeah. from you. Uh, well done. Uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week, okay? All right, guys. Thank you. That is Evan Cohen. Right. 6 to 10 a.m. every single weekday here on ESPN 106.3. The burger takes are flying in, and it's a Thursday, which means it's a wheel of topics. So stick with us, won't you? That's Stone. I'm Ken Levick at Theo and Stone ESPN 106.3.